This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is the Greg Kelly Show. Wow. Man, uh, I hope my great-grandparents weren't that uh, greedy when they came to America for the first time, uh, demanding uh, all this stuff, demanding a hotel room, a hotel room. Uh, wow. No, I don't. I know they actually weren't. They couldn't be. They came here legally through a port of entry, through Ellis Island, a port of entry. A lot of these folks came over. Well, they just came across the river, and they, they, they chose their own port of entry, wherever the hell they wanted to. They just came in here, and, uh, and Joe Biden administration said, right this way, here's a bus, here's a ticket, come, come to New York, come to uh, anywhere you want, anywhere you want, anywhere you want. Wow. And they are really throwing a fuss. Right now, uh, <laughs> the hotel room, it's a $400 a night hotel room on the west side. Who's this guy? Migrant advocate spokesman. Migrant advocate spokesman. Hmm. Cut two, please. Migrant the, the, advocate spokesman. Go. The, the migrants want to go back into their private rooms in this hotel like they had. That is first and foremost. And we would love to invite the city to the table to talk about how we're going to find permanent housing. Yeah, we're going to find permanent housing. Uh, how about um, get a job? Uh, I guess you can work under the table, right? I mean, you got that going for you. We, the rest of us have to pay taxes and get an apartment. <laughs> get a house. All right. You snuck your way in here. Go ahead, fake the paperwork, do what you got to do, I guess, and start earning a living. You came here for the American dream, right? Mm. Here's this guy again. Uh, uh, cut three. We need to fund housing vouchers and open up a lot of the vacant apartments so, so that migrants and, and all New Yorkers have access to permanent, affordable housing. Okay. We need. We need. All New Yorkers have access to permanent housing. Mm, don't you have to kind of work for that? I'm working my ass off. Don't you have to work for that? Uh, what was my first apartment in New York City? It was a studio. It was a box. I had to go up five flights of steps. Uh, but it was home. And the rent was exorbitant. Yes, it was. But somehow I made ends meet. And then I got another uh, box. In a slightly better building, but it was still a box. Uh, are these uh, people too good for this stuff? Maybe I should just sit back and wait for all these things to uh, to come my way, huh? Let's see here. 
Uh, try this one. Cut one. This migrant advocate spokesman. How do you get this job? Cut one. The hotel is refusing to let them back into their rooms. It's either the street or the cruise terminal for these men. Okay. Well, what about this cruise terminal? From what I hear, there's all kinds of uh, facilities there. There's a cot. There are restrooms. There's hot and cold water. Mm, I mean, if you're going to loaf, uh, that's a that's 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 okay, right? All that stuff's free. I know it's not Randall's Island with the flat screen TVs and the gummy bears, but you know what are you going to do? <laughs> uh, you came here illegally. You came here illegally. Um, oh, Eric Adams is on the scene. Eric Adams. Hmm. Hmm. Is it possible he said something remotely sane? Well, yeah, actually, he, he, he says things that are remotely sane all the time, um, but he has no idea how to implement things. He just doesn't know how to do anything. Makes a fine presentation when he goes to the uh, New York Post editorial board. Ooh, what an impressive young man. Hmm? Cut 16. I just had to come here when I started hearing all the rumors about it was too cold. Uh, <laughs> my brother got on shorts. He's inside. It's warm inside. Uh, about uh, the food not being there, uh, you know, healthy food, his presence. Uh, all right, so he's an inspector. He's a buildings inspector. He heard a rumor uh, that it was, uh, what do they say, uh, too cold, and his brother is wearing shorts, so that's his test. Now he knows that it's, it's warm. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think that's sufficient, but uh, whatever. He's, he's a bit player in all this stuff. He's just along for the ride. He's just having fun. Okay, migrant advocate spokesman. I got to find out who this guy is. Uh, cut five, please. They were at detention camps, camps at the border, so it reminds them of, of the situation at the border. Um, from what I'm hearing and what I've read, this is better than the countries you came from, right? I mean, and you know, detention. You're free, you were actually free to walk back into Mexico. You could go right back. We had this great plan, by the way, wait in Mexico, remember, under the Trump administration. This thing was solved. This thing was, by the way, they're here for the votes. Democrats, ultimately, and this migrant advocate spokesman, I bet he's a Democrat. Oh, I bet this this guy's a political operative, total political operative. Uh, the audacity of these people, it is pretty audacious, don't you think? Right? Um. Welcome, everybody. The situation in, uh, well, what's going on? Is it dying down a little bit in Memphis? I mean, let's face it, again, it would be totally out of control in this country if the cops were white and the uh, victim was black. The victim was black, but the cops were black. So uh, for most people, most people who get it, this is not racist, right? This is not racist. But if you are a wacko left-wing um, individual and you want to achieve power, you want to gain status. You want to make some money here. Everybody wants to make a buck. You, you turn this thing into a, you turn it into a, a cause. You turn it into something bigger than yourself. I hate that phrase, by the way. Anyway, um, listen to this woman. Now, it'll sound reasonable. She sounds reasonable. This is on MSNBC. She's talking about how everything's racist, but in 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 her own way, she try she makes it sound reasonable. Go ahead with cut twenty. Tell me what else is happening in your community right now um, and, and the conversation around 
what policing in America, what reform could look like? Yeah, absolutely. So we're, we we have daily actions. So folks are going to be out on the street, still in the street, lifting their voices. I want to lift up that national organizations such as Movement for Black Life. I think it's the SC Justice Group, Color of Change, uh, BLM, one, one other organization have submitted the Breathe Act, which lays out a 50 page guide on how lawmakers, advocates, folks in community can work towards systemic change. So we are saying the same things. We are just having to say them loud and in the streets and people are listening. Reverend Bahisha Hassan, thank you for coming on with us. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just thank you. All that crazy stuff you just said. Again, it sounded fine. If you're going around the dial, uh, that would sound fine. But I looked up some of the stuff that she was talking about. And she's pushing this thing called the Breathe Act. The Breathe Act. You ready for this? This visionary bill framework divests our taxpayer dollars from brutal and discriminatory policing and invests in a new vision of public safety. A vision that answers the call to defund the police and allow all communities to finally breathe. Huh. They want to get rid of the cops. They want. Let me see here. They want to get rid of... Uh, history is clear that we cannot achieve genuine safety and liberation until we abandon police, prisons, and all punishment paradigms. This is it. This is back. Defund the police. And you got nobody, on television at least, and very few in the print world, willing to push back on this insanity. Much better to focus on whatever it is you're doing and just let these people sound off. And um, Because nobody wants to be... Nobody wants to be called a racist. And if you're... If you dare... Dare try to what, what do they say? Minimize or provide context, or you you could run into trouble. Very few people. The left they're very very clever this way. Often they'll grab, um, and usually white liberals will hide behind often a black woman. Okay, you get the black woman to do the talking for you because that will shut people up. Shut people up. Uh, certainly white influencers like uh, Chris Christie, like Martha Raddatz, uh, they can't say anything. You, you, you think they want to get a talking to from the boss right after the uh, the George Stephanopoulos show is over? You know, Chris Christie, real big tough guy, right? He's sitting next to this person, uh, this Democrat activist. What would you have done if you're sitting next to somebody who says this? Cut 17, cut 17. Anti-black racism is everywhere. We know that that is part of the training that these officers receive, that black and brown equals danger. Wow. Black and brown equals danger. And Chris Fatso Christie just sits there. Just I thought he was supposed to be a tough guy. I guess that's a very long time ago when we saw those videos of him, you know, getting in the face of the, the guy on the boardwalk. Remember that nonsense? Uh, or telling off the teachers union. Ooh. We're telling off that war veteran who was upset about uh, the Rutgers University consolidating. Ooh. I guess if he doesn't have his uh, state troopers around, he's not so tough, is he? He's not so <laughs> tough. They just sat there as she said all this crazy crap. Uh, let's see here. And here she goes again. Um, and this is crazy stuff. Cut 19, please. Cut 19. 
This comes at a time when the governor of Florida says no African-American AP classes, when we have demagoguery around critical race theory, when the truth is we have to be willing to have hard, truthful conversations in this country. And all of us have to be a part of that, or it's not going to change. It's not going to be enough to just change policy. And, and Governor Kasich, you were governor of... Yeah, and Governor Kasich... <laughs> now, moving right along now, Governor Kasich... Uh, by the way, that whole thing about we need to have a conversation. No, they don't want to. They want to lecture you. They want to lecture you. They want to lecture everybody. They don't want they don't want any feedback. Believe me, they don't want feedback. And one more time, it's everywhere. Anti-black racism. Where is it again? Cut 17. Anti-black racism is everywhere. We know that that is part of the training that these officers receive, that black and brown equals danger. All right. So this is Karen Finney who's speaking. Karen Finney, who's just a Democrat operative. She worked for Hillary Clinton for a bunch of years. So I don't know if you saw my Newsmax show. Uh, I found a bunch of pictures of uh, her boss, Hillary Clinton, posing with police officers. You know, back before the world lost its mind, you know, back in 2006, 2007, 2008. There she is with cops all over the place when the cops were the good guys. Uh, I wonder I wonder if she's going to have to uh, apologize for that, right? Is, is she going to tell her truth or something and how some boss made her do it, right? So her name again is Karen Finney. I've actually run into her a bunch of times. I never really gave her ethnicity any thought. I, it's like kind of the last thing that's interesting to me. I will say I thought that she might be um, Indian or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. She's uh, uh, olive complexion. So I looked it up. Because it's curious, and it's relevant. It is relevant. And she identifies as black. Now, why am I making a big deal out of this? What difference does it make? Because <laughs> I can tell, quite frankly, by the way she's talking there, that she's using her identity, her race, as a weapon to shut people up who might disagree with her. And in the Washington Post, no kidding, a couple of, in 2020, you know what she wrote? A great big editorial about that Robert E. Lee statue in Virginia, and she wants it taken down. And the the hook was she did one of those 23andMe, you know, DNA things, and she's like, you know, eight times removed related to Robert E. Lee. Anybody. I, I'm Anybody can say that. Those things are kind of annoying. But the lead of the story, the headline, she gets, I'm black. <laughs> I'm black, and that Robert E. Lee statue needs to be removed immediately. Just I'm black. That's enough. That's it. That's that's what you bring to the table, huh? That's what we've come to. That's what we've come to. And Chris Christie, just sitting on your big old, you know what, huh? Just taking it. Just taking it. Too many. You know why? Because he he wants to retain his status, his power, his money, and he knows he knows the direction of this marching band. All right. He knows where it's going, and he just wants to. He just wants. To be part of the party. He doesn't care about anybody but himself. Like most people in the swamp. Big exception was Donald Trump. More on him when I come back. That deposition, that fake deposition they made him go through. I'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust? Or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. 
That's shopify.com slash system. Greg Kelly Kelly. on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Yeah, sometimes I can't figure out the New York Post. You know, they got this big story in here. Kelly Ripa and her husband, uh, their kid walks in on them when they're, you know, when they're being intimate. Their kid's 20 years old. So, and they have a whole article about this. Isn't this cute? Anyway, a lot of silliness in that newspaper, but a lot of great stuff as well. And uh, James Gagliano, behind Tyree Nichols' death, dangerously lowered law enforcement applicant standards. The long-awaited video footage of Memphis police officers brutally assaulting Tyree Nichols is sickening. His death has shocked the senses and will set back recent hard-won gains in police community relations and trust. But could we, should we, not have foreseen this? Certainly wasn't a case of white supremacy run amok unless a gang of Southern African-American officers brutalizing a non-compliant African-American male meets the ever-evolving definition of institutional racism. Could the relentless pursuit of equity, as equality is no longer the accepted standard, have contributed to this senseless loss of life? Equity aims for equal opportunity. Equity demands equal outcome. Not qualified for a position? Well, check enough boxes. We will adjust the required standard. That's what appears to have occurred with some of the Memphis Five. And I think it's the Memphis Seven now. Well, the others have just been fired, but uh, five have been charged. The Memphis Police Department swore in two to Darius Bean and Demetrius Haley in August 2020, two years after deciding to attract more minorities by lowering education requirements. It relaxed its rule that recruits have an associate's degree or 54 college credit hours, five years work experience, and a promise to get an associate degree within four years of hiring were enough. College isn't always the determinant for credible policing. But it does ensure a higher level of maturity, judgment, discernment, and reasoning. Well, it's aimed to. It's aimed to. You've got plenty of college graduates who are nutjobs, of course. Memphis has no one to blame for these officers' shocking lack of professionalism and empathy, but its own misguided leveling of playing field. Last year, the department further diluted its applicant pool by eliminating the timed physical ability test and drastically lowering the required college credits from 54 to 24. Like professional sports franchises, it felt compelled to offer $15,000 signing bonuses in 2020 and 2021. Most worrisome, it even offered waivers for felony convictions, all in the name of equity. How about that, huh? How about that? And you know what they're doing? Now that they disbanded the uh, Scorpion unit, they're coming for the... And that unit was obviously dysfunctional. But there are a lot of uh, aggressive anti-crime units, specialized units across the country that are doing great work. But the pressure is on them to dismantle and to disband. And it's working. It's working all over again. It's heartbreaking, everybody. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know, we rightly, as this guy points out, we rightly demand better policing, yet 50% of police agencies were forced to lower their standards to attract applicants per the International Association for Chiefs of Police. Wow. And we have Memphis. And we have Memphis. Eric Adams uh, still have the uh, undercover cops wearing uniforms. Thanks a lot, genius. 
All right, let's try uh, Bob in Trumbull. That's in Connecticut. How are you? Good, Greg. Hey, I, I wish you would stop using the term migrant. They're not migrants. They're invaders. Yeah. And, yeah. and the ones that are their advocates, they're collaborators. So you know what should be done with collaborators? Easy, Bob. Easy, Bob. Easy, Bob. Easy, Bob. Easy, Bob. Hey, well, Bob, are you no, the one? Are you hey. the? Are you the one that we arranged to pick up your wife? Yes. All right. And, and you know what? And she made it. I, I understand. I understand. And you, 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 you're giving me. You know. You, oh, why don't you say this instead of that? All right. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you're right. Illegal aliens. Though you're right. Illegal aliens. Whatever. Um, but I don't like where you were going with that invader thing. All right. I don't like Bob. I don't like it. All right. Of dollars we're sending the Ukraine to stop their migrants from coming from Russia? How how is it any different? Yeah, I hear you. All right, thanks, Bob. Best of the wife. Uh, let's see, Joe in Mount Sinai. Hi, Joe. How are you? I'm good. Uh, listen, uh, the uh, Biden administration has that stupid app for uh, 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 was that uh, asylum? Tinder. Instead of that. And no, said that stupid app for asylum. Yeah, I know. You can Why book. You they... can book your. Uh, you can book your appointment with the with the immigration judge. You know, while you're in Peru, that app, and it's so silly. It's so silly. It doesn't even work. By the way, I downloaded it. It stinks. Keep going. Uh, mail in. You mail in your proof, your 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 fingerprints, a picture of yourself, and your story. And if 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 we like it. You know, it's like Hollywood back in the in his forties. Don't call us; we'll call you. And they cannot come through. They could not come to this country. Uh, uh, Mayor Giuliani would would be able to tell me tell you better. They're they're part of a RICO thing. The the illegal way they're coming in. They're, they're fueling the cartels. They're making the, the criminals. I mean, and and these and these much that won't leave the hotel there. Kick him in the ass and just push him over the border. What the hell are you well, doing? Well, number one, <laughs> Jesus, Joe. All right, thanks, man. Um, you know, Rudy Giuliani has a very. Um, <laughs> hey, they shouldn't be here. Period. All right, I'm all for ejecting illegal aliens. Uh, I'm not calling anybody. I'm whatever you. I don't know. Can't. Um, <laughs> Sandra, I need some sophistication. Quick, you provide that. Hello. Oh. Hello, I, I have something very positive to say. Um, first of all, I not only question the trustworthy of the government, but now I, I worry about the FDA, too. And why do I say this? Because both wanted to hide the side effects of the vaccination for 75 years. So I looked further and I found that Judge Mark Pittman, I like him, he scrapped the 75-year FDA timeline to release the Pfizer vaccination safety data, he made it only eight months. He radically shortened the timeline. And it's called the Freedom of Information Act. And it was a lawsuit by the doctors and the scientists. So that's good news that we have a judge that did this. And he also did another good thing. You know how Biden likes to spend a lot of money. He also stopped that debt debt loan relief, you know, for the colleges. COVID is over. So he put a little stop to that, too. So I like this judge, Judge Mark Pittman. Uh, fantastic. Um, 
It is interesting that the vaccine, you know, the public safety announcements, uh, the service announcements, they never had any side effects. Every drug, cough drops have a side effect, for crying out loud. Everything has a side effect. But I never knew, I never heard any side effect about that silly uh, vaccine, right? I'll tell you what, I had massive side effects. Yes, I'm vaccinated, and I know some people don't like that, but uh, you know what? That's my business. I don't ask you. If you want to tell me, fine. I got vaccinated, all right? My wife made me do it. Um, and I was sick like a dog uh, the first night. I mean, I was, I was. oh, gosh. I can't believe I got, I got the uh, second one. I guess enough time went by, and um, uh, what can I tell you? My wife, uh, she kind of, I mean, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in charge. I'm the king of the castle, but... Um, you know, she's uh, she, she carries a lot of weight. You met her, actually, Sandra, didn't you? She's absolutely lovely. Yes, absolutely. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sandra. Sandra, everybody, you are the best. You are the best. Thank you uh, uh, so much for calling. And let's see here. Uh, oh, wait, I was just handed this with a note. Please play what Eric Adams said on the uh, Memphis situation. Hmm. Well. Uh, this one supervisor, uh, this is the one supervisor I don't blow off, okay? So let's hear what uh, he had to say. Uh, cut 12, cut 12. When a culture of policing historically has treated uh, those from different groups differently, uh, even when the individuals are from that same group, that culture can still exist. And we have to zero in on it, being honest about it, and making sure that we properly train police for the realities of the cities that they are policing in. Oh, wow. So beautiful. So eloquent. Yes. Gibberish. Cut 13 now. Cut 13. Units don't create abuse. Abusive behavior creates abuse. You can be assigned what? to... Wait, 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 wait. Is this supposed to be deep? Is that supposed to be... Uh, all right. I'm sorry. <laughs> it is actually supposed to be deep. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Take it from the top. I, I have instructions to play uh, the sound of Eric Adams. So uh, cut 13. Units don't create abuse. Abusive behavior creates abuse. You can be assigned to uniform patrol if you don't have the right mindset for public protection. And I think the nobility of being a law enforcement officer, uh, then you should not be assigned in the police department. What? I, I, I just, I, I, I can't believe that this guy, I can't believe it. I just can't believe it. Um... Now, Whoopi Goldberg, I actually knew Whoopi when she wasn't crazy. But I'm always handed these things when she says something ridiculous on The View. Now, The View doesn't count anymore. It really doesn't. No one watches uh, ever since, uh, was Barbara Walters, was she the head honcho for a while? She was. Fine lady, who wrote a great book, by the way, about broadcasting. There's a lot of good stuff in there. I found it very helpful, actually. Um, uh, was she there when Whoopi was there? All right. Do we, do we, all right. Uh, all right. I got to do this too. I'm sorry. Whoopi Goldberg on Memphis cut 15. Now, you know, I asked this question way too many times at this table, but you know, when will the brutality finally lead to some police reform from the ground up? Because clearly it doesn't matter if it's a white policeman or a black policeman. It is a problem in the police and the policing yes. itself. You know, seems things don't seem to make sense to people unless it's somebody 
they can feel or they can mm -hmm. recognize. But how many times do we have to, do we need to see white people also get beaten before anybody will do anything? I'm not suggesting that. So don't write us and tell me what a, you know, what a racist I am. I'm just asking, is that, is that what people have to see in order to wake up and realize this affects us all? Uh, People were getting bored of calling her an anti-Semite, so they started calling her a racist, I guess. I, I don't know. I mean, I actually saw this uh, person, Whoopi, who I've met. I like her when she's not saying stuff like this. I also like it when uh, she goes to The Godfather. Uh, they had a beautiful event where they played Godfather 1 and Godfather 2 at Radio City Musical a few years ago. It was magnificent. It was one of the coolest things ever. And I had seen the movies a million times, but suddenly I was seeing stuff that I never noticed before on my small little TV set, watching it on a movie screen the size of a football field, you see all kinds of little things you didn't see. For instance, Waltz, the producer, you know, uh, when just before he finds the, the head of the horse in the bed and the camera's zooming in, he's got Academy Awards. His Academy Awards are right off, and I don't think I've ever seen those before because I only saw the damn movie on TV. Um... I guess too many people are talking, by the way. <laughs> I should. Uh, movie star, this is in my book. Movie star, um, she actually won an Oscar herself. She won an Emmy. She won a Tony. And I think she won a Golden Globe. What do they call those? EGOTs. EGOTs. So Whoopi says this stuff all the time. And she this is what she said to Chuck Schumer, uh, the Senate Majority Leader. I write about this in my book. You vowed to call a vote on major voting rights legislation in time for Martin Luther King Day next week. I just want, I want to ask you this because it's irritating me to the nth degree. Why are we still talking about my right as an American to vote? I still feel like suddenly black people are where we were under the Emancipation Proclamation. What is happening? Why are we fighting this this way? What's going to change? And I write this, the Emancipation Proclamation issued in 1863 during the Civil War freed the slaves in all areas under Union control. Mega celebrity Whoopi Goldberg, who has been in the public eye consistently for about 40 years, said that the plight of black people in the United States, where she has the rare distinction, I just talked about this, of having won an Academy Award, a Grammy, an Emmy, and a Tony, is the same now as it was under the Confederacy. Now, one would think that Senator Schumer, a graduate of Harvard Law School, might have corrected Goldberg or at least qualified her comment. After all, America elected and reelected a black man to be president and a black woman to be vice president. Although I put a big asterisk by that because of, uh, well, you know. Uh, but no, he agreed with her, saying that she was 100 percent right. In fact, Schumer explained Things are headed downhill for African-Americans. It's not just staying the same, he warned. It's going to get worse if we don't do something. This exchange aired on The View and heard by millions. By the way, that's a great big factual error in my book. That show is not seen by millions. Sorry about that. Is nothing unusual. It has become the standard perspective for millions of Americans and is taught in schools as a revisionist history, that is, in the minds of its proponents, setting the record straight. Best-selling books over the last decade have advanced this thesis, 
And while their arguments are empty and tissue thin, the media and academia have given their authors a platform and a megaphone through which they have been able to present their bizarro version of America. That's in my book, by the way, and I'm very grateful for my platform here at WABC, Newsmax, social media, and now in literature. That book is uh, doing very well. I'd like to, to do a little bit better, and that's where you guys come in, please. Uh, the name of the book is Justice for All, How the Left is Wrong About Law Enforcement. You can get it at the bookstore. You can go to Amazon. Uh, you can send away, and I'll read it to you, no kidding, uh, on CD. You can download it over Audible. And uh, what the hell, huh? I mean, what the hell? You know, O'Reilly's not going to be around forever. <laughs> okay, if I sell it over these books, I am going to get another great big um, uh, assignment to write a new book. And I already got my idea. Hey, isn't it fantastic that pro-life advocate Mark Houck was acquitted? Now, this guy got into a minor pushing match, pushing, uh, shoving contest in front of an abortion clinic. And they sent the SWAT team to go get him. The SWAT team of the FBI raided his home because somebody said, he pushed me. And they, what do they do? They do what the federal government does. They made a federal case out of it. Remember when that used to be a pejorative? Pejorative. A pejorative. Uh, Making a federal case out of something. Nobody says that anymore because everybody makes a federal case out of everything. Everybody makes a big deal out of not too much. What was another one? Chip on the shoulder. That guy's got a real chip on his shoulder. Nobody ever says that anymore. Why? Because everybody's got a chip on their shoulder. Everybody. And they love making a big deal out of not so much. Oh, 30 years ago, that guy gave me a dirty look on the movie set, and I'm going to tell my truth. Thanks a lot, Gina Davis. You used to be cool. Let's do one more. Uh, Pete in Valley Stream. Hi. Hey, Greg, you, you know, you took my thunder away because I was just going to ask you a question about how your book sales are doing. I just got your book yesterday, and uh, I was just kind of curious. Uh, I hope it's doing really well. That's question number one. And question number two is when can you get Donald Trump back on your show? Uh, number one, uh, we missed the bestseller list by about 400 books. So that's pretty damn good. All right. Especially for a book like this with its totally unwoke content and how those lists are kind of skewed against us. So I'm very satisfied with the sales and so is the publisher. Uh, but, uh, look, we're, we've only been selling it for about three weeks, so we got a ways to go. So it's a work in progress. Thank you very much, Pete, for buying the book. I appreciate it very, very much. Uh, again, justice for all, how the left is wrong about law enforcement with a great big picture of me on the cover. I'm a little, the, the picture is very cool. Um, it really is. It's very flattering to me. I don't normally look like that, but, uh, uh, what else? Oh, Trump coming on the show. Uh, yeah, I should do that. I should do that. Uh, he's always welcome. Of course. Um, yeah. Thanks for reminding me. He's been on the show. How many times? Like four times, I think on the Newsmax show. And he's always great. And oh, by the way, he's the one guy who's really talking about issues. Have you noticed that, Pete? If you listen, he's the only guy, it seems like, in the whole political system who's talking about issues substantively. I know we got our favorites. We got Josh Hawley and a couple of others. But you lo- you watch those speeches. It's all substance. Right, Pete? Hey, Greg, I love Donald Trump. I think his uh, election was stolen. That's my personal viewpoint. And I think if he was still president, we wouldn't be in this 
entire nation in energy, finances, everything, if he was still president. I don't care what anybody said. Yeah, well, you know what? The ground is the, – the soil is fertile for a comeback, a big-time comeback. And I think all he's got to do is make his case, point out what's going on. And even Mark Halpern – I don't know if you know who Mark Halpern is. He's a – He's a good guy. He leans a little bit left, but he's a genius when it comes to politics. And he wrote in his column today that uh, Donald Trump can win it. That's a big eye-opener. There's somebody, you know, he's one of those guys. The swamp accepts him. They like him. Um, I like him, too, uh, for his unswamp-like qualities. He's got some. Anyway, he says Trump can go all the way. And I totally agree. Thank you, Pete, very much. I'll be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pile-ups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Every day for the United States, though, is April Fool's Day. This just occurred to me yesterday. Because I see what's happening, I'd say, what's going on? What's happening? What's wrong? It's like April Fool's, right? We have open borders when they should be closed. April Fool's Day, right? We have prisoners and people from mental institutions and terrorists being dumped into our country when they should not be accepted. April Fool's, right? We have people in the midst of the greatest crime wave in the history that wanted to fund our police. This is, again, April Fool's. This is April Fool's. We have men being encouraged to compete against women. And that was brought up before, but now I bring it up as April Fool's. We have Antifa and BLM who hate our country and burn down our cities, and they're totally protected by law enforcement, and yet they put American patriots in jail. What's going on there? That's all April 1st, April 1st, April Fool's Day. Yes, 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 every day in America has become April Fool's Day. (laughs) He's right. I tell you what, man. I mean, the only way they can stop him, first of all, he's totally right. He's right on the issues. He's, uh, but... The only way they can stop him is by throwing him in jail or, or lying about him. Um, and that's what they're doing. Uh, he knows this game, though, and he can defend himself. He needs allies, of course, but you saw how Letitia James, you see it? He's, uh, they harassed him, brought him downtown, and uh, it's just uh, it's terrible. But he is so strong. It's unbelievable. Uh, that was great. Oh, I don't know if Helena is listening in... Uh, in Westchester, but she was right about that Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham was really amazing in talking about him. I played the whole thing on my show. I'll get to that in a little bit. Also, also, it's one of the creepiest things I've heard in a long time. You know, the FBI is so out of control, so taken with itself, and these are unelected Federal Bureau of Investigation bureaucrats, bureaucrats. The last time anybody looked into them when they were like 26 when they applied for the job and then they stay there for life. And I saw this guy. uh, Now he's a talking head on MSNBC. The anti-Christian venom that he was displaying on, on a public network 
NBC Universal. What do they think about these? You know, I get uh, I get the mainstream. I get people always trying to cancel me, always trying to oh deplatform me, always trying oh the sponsors. Do you know what he's saying? Did you see what he tweeted? How can you? I get that all the time. What about this guy who comes out and says that uh, Christians are radicals and we're just like terrorists? He said this on the uh, MSNBC show, and I've been noticing him for a while. One. He's like the embodiment of the swamp, everything about him. Uh, I'll play that when I come back. It's actually important. I should have done it already. Michael Avenatti, how long does he have left in jail? Remember the whole Stormy Daniels hoax? This is how little they have on Donald Trump. They're trying to revive the Stormy Daniels thing on him. Alvin Bragg actually convened a grand jury. Got to be careful about those grand juries, though. They can... uh, they can do a lot of damage. They once said you can you can you can indict a roast beef sandwich if you want. I'll be back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I almost forgot. Uh, Joe Biden is in New York City right now. He's over there on the west side at the right around Hudson Yards somewhere, giving a speech about how good it's going to be. Right? That's what Democrats do. Someday it's going to be great. Someday we're going to get something built. Someday, someday, someday. An old, isn't there an old legend about some woman who married a Democrat and uh, she dies a virgin? She goes, yeah, my husband, uh, we never actually managed to uh, do that. But he was always telling me how good it was going to be. <laughs> Once, we, uh, But they never actually did it. Uh, it's very much like the Democrats. I guess they're talking about the tunnel, uh, another tunnel. How many tunnels do we have right now? We've got the Holland Tunnel and the Lincoln Tunnel. We need a rail tunnel, right? Another rail tunnel? Um, all right. Sounds good. I mean... <laughs> There's a reason why politicians stink, right? They don't know anything. They don't know how to do anything. All they know how to do is smile and ask for favors and ask for money. And they spend it, but uh, they don't have any expertise, actually. They have no expertise. That's the thing that Trump came with, expertise, world-class expertise. Name any of these guys, any president who came to the office knowing how to do something that they would be – in very high demand for had they not been in politics. Let's go through it. Obama. (laughs) Zero. Zero. I mean, granted, he's tall and he's slim and he went to Harvard. And uh, there are companies who like having guys like that around, but they don't actually do anything. Okay. Um, Let's see. Who else? Clinton. Uh, Career politician. Now, Clinton was smart enough. If he... And driven enough and ambitious enough. If he went into some other line of work, I think he probably would have done pretty well. Uh, George W. Bush? Anybody? Uh, This guy was uh, at death's door, quite frankly, when he was 40 years old. Hey, I love a comeback. I love anybody who can beat an addiction and straighten themselves out, and uh, that's wonderful. However, (laughs) he had every advantage in life, the son of a president. Really accomplished nothing professionally, nothing, until he gets elected governor of Texas. I don't think that's a hard thing to do when your dad is the president, right? I just don't think that's a very hard thing to do. I mean, think about it. His other brother got elected Florida, all right? They were like handing states out to these guys. What could he do if it wasn't for politics, right? Oh, Texas uh, baseball team, the Rangers, right? He was the front man. He didn't do anything. And they were in fourth place when he was uh, around. It goes on and on and on like this. Now, Reagan is an exception. Gifted communicator. But also, 
It wasn't that he needed expertise. He was a non-politician, and he was driven by issues. And he made it he made it plain as day. This is who I am. This is what I believe. Here's what I think I can accomplish. Got to go back and look at that ad campaign. None of these tricks, the gimmickry, all that stuff. No, it was just very, very honest. And he said, our Constitution, they talk, a citizen statesman, a citizen statesman. You got to go all the way back to Eisenhower to find somebody who knew how to do something other than be in government, other than be a politician. Eisenhower, a master logistician, logistics. Logistics are so important when it comes to warfare. Somebody once said, I don't know who, it was a very famous general who said, amateurs talk about tactics, professionals talk about logistics when it comes to war. We got to get the stuff there, often called the bullets, beans, and band-aids. We got to get the stuff. You got to move around all this stuff. Oh, by the way, I hear that we're, uh, (laughs) you may have heard, we're sending tanks to to Ukraine. Uh, They can't stop talking about these tanks and where they are. I see they've left the port in South Carolina on their way to Ukraine. Whatever happened to, like, not telling the enemy everything we're doing, right? (laughs) Just like, all right, we're... The White House told us all about the capabilities of these tanks, how far they can go, how much ammunition they can carry. Uh, All that stuff is available on the Internet. But maybe we want a little bit of the element of surprise. Do we really have to put it all out there? Um, I guess that's 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 what we do now. huh? Uh, Hey, listen to this. This is Chuck Todd going on and on and on about mass shootings in America. Oh, my goodness gracious. Mass shootings, the worst uh, mass shooting, which are horrible, absolutely horrible. Um, but like everything else, they want you to think the sky is falling all the time. They've always been like this, the fake news. Cut 34. 29 days of the year, 44 mass shootings, and it's already accounted for 79 people killed. Again, we're just on our 29th day of this year. And if you look, this is a trend that has been sadly growing. The last four years, we have averaged more mass shootings than days of the year. It is obviously a graphic that keeps ticking up. Try to always make it sound like it's worse now than ever, ever, ever before. And I went back. We had a problem with mass shootings, uh, well, 50 years ago this month, right now. Right now, we were seeing mass shootings all over the country. And there was a really bad one in New Orleans. Some uh, disgruntled Navy sailor, motivated by racial hatred of white people, grabbed a rifle and went to the police academy and shot up a bunch of cops. Killed nine and uh, he retreated and actually got away. And then he went to the Howard Johnsons in lower, uh, somewhere in New Orleans, brought his rifle and started shooting up white people, white guests, white cops uh, who responded, went nuts 50 years ago this month. And race was the motivating factor. Here's a news report uh, about that whole situation. Cut 35, please. This is January of 1973 in New Orleans. Cut 35. It began as a general alarm fire at the Howard Johnson's Motel in downtown New Orleans, but within minutes it turned into a battlefield. One of the first firemen on the scene setting up a fire hose was wounded in the arm. That's when police and firemen realized they had a sniper on their hands. 
Hundreds of off-duty policemen were called in, armed with high-powered rifles and shotguns. Police sharpshooters were stationed high on rooftops of nearby office buildings, which surround the Howard Johnsons. And as this unbelievable Sunday progressed, there were seven major gun battles between the police and the sniper. This is how it looked. Wow, huh? Well, um, they ultimately found out the, the ringleader there was uh, a guy named James Essex. Wait a second. James, yeah, Mark James Essex. Mark James Essex. And he was a, uh, a sailor, and uh, he had a great childhood in Emporia, Kansas. Everything was great. And he was a good student and all that stuff, and everything was going fine. Uh, apparently, Emporia is a very diverse community, and everybody got along very, very well. And then he goes, he happens to be black. Then he went to the Navy and he said he suffered from a lot of discrimination. Um, He was taunted because of race. And uh, he started to really hate white people. I'm sorry that happened to him. He had one great boss, a dentist by the name of Hatcher, Lieutenant Hatcher, who happened to be white and really liked him and tried to look out for him. But anyway, the guy kind of lost his mind. And um, let's see here. He goes to uh, New Orleans. He joined the blank Black Panthers. Bad move. Uh, bad, bad move. Let's see here. Um, on January 7th, Essex returned to Joe's Grocery and shouted to... That's uh, too much detail there. Uh, Essex drove a vehicle to the downtown Howard Johnson's. We just heard about that. Oh, here's the wild thing. This is going on. You heard the gun battle. There's a Marine base in New Orleans, and a Marine captain hears this stuff on the radio and and hears all the gunshots and he gets in his helicopter and he says i gotta help these guys he just responds on his own he takes a military helicopter marine helicopter and flies all the way to um it's only like two miles away to the scene and he picks up a bunch of cops and then the cops uh start shooting at this the sniper on top of the howard johnson's it's pretty wild and that marine i actually got to know uh, General Charles Pittman. He was a captain then. He was retired by the time I met him. It's about at least, I, I met him some point in the 90s. Really interesting guy. And um, what an adventure, huh? I mean, what a horrible thing, too. And if you look at this, oh, boy. He shot a he happened to have shot a lot of, uh, a lot of people of color while he was at it. Yikes. Hatred, you know? It'll drive you crazy. Um. Okay, one other thing. Uh, and before, uh, you've heard about this, right? Everybody wants the George Floyd Criminal Justice Act passed, right? You've got to pass that George Floyd Criminal Justice Act, right? Cut 36, please. Cut 36. We need the George Floyd Act passed in Congress. It's in the uh, George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Raising again the George Floyd Justice and mm. Policing Act. His desire for Congress to pass the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. The George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. The George Floyd and uh, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. I was in Congress during the time the George voted for the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. Well, I downloaded the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act and um Here's the big problem with it. Qualified immunity. They want to strip police officers of qualified immunity. And I heard qualified immunity a lot. Nobody ever says what the hell it is, but they just throw this term around. And here's what it is. Let's see. uh, Internet, uh, Wikipedia. In the United States, qualified immunity is a legal principle that grants government officials performing discretionary functions 
immunity from civil suits unless the plaintiff shows that the official violated clearly established statutory or constitutional rights of which a reasonable person would have known. That sounds that sounds reasonable, right? Doesn't that sound reasonable? I mean, you can't be a walking potential lawsuit. Every, you can't have that on your mind all the time. You got to have some latitude. And that's what qualified immunity offers, and they want to take it away. Um, I don't like that about the George Floyd Criminal Justice in Policing Act, but I do like this. It says that you can't use deadly force unless uh, it's absolutely needed, unless if you don't take action with deadly force, someone's going to lose their life. Uh, That sounds actually okay. And under the George Floyd uh, Justice in Policing Act, if Michael Byrd followed the law and the rules— Ashley Babbitt would still be alive. Ashley Babbitt would still be alive. How about that one? Hey, did you see Donald Trump? He went to the uh, ice cream parlor in South Carolina. It was a beautiful moment. And he goes there, and he loves ice cream. Who doesn't? But he doesn't make a big deal about it, okay? Joe Biden, all right? This is the first time I think I've ever seen Donald Trump around ice cream. He goes in there, and the cashier says something to him. It's kind of beautiful. It might be hard to hear, but she wants to pray over him. Cut 31. All right. You hear? I know it's tough to hear, but she offered a beautiful, sweet prayer uh, over a man who just might be the next president of the United States. What could be wrong with that? You'll be shocked. You'll be shocked what the FBI and MSNBC thinks about a Christian prayer. I'll be right back with that. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right, here's that crazy uh, FBI agent I was telling you about, Frank Figluzzi. Is that his name? Frank Figluzzi. It's funny, on MSNBC, they actually almost never put the names up. They They mumble them real quick at the top. It doesn't matter as long as you say the crap they want you to say. This guy takes it way too far, in my opinion. So he's upset about all things MAGA, all things Trump. And I just wonder, imagine a guy like this with power, all right? He's out of the FBI not too long, spent a career there. And he doesn't like, uh, he doesn't like anything Trump. He doesn't like anything about us either. Uh, cut 32, please. Cut. Thir- it's kind of long, but I think it's worth it, all right? Gives you great insight into the swamp. Cut 32. The pastors out there who we see video clips of on social media who literally, literally from the pulpit are equating Democrats with demons. Um, wow. Um, the God and gallows thing. Yeah, that that's legit. That's where they're coming from. This this wrapping yourself in in a kind of perverted version of Christianity where the only possible political party that God would possibly be on the side of is the GOP as as if he cares as 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 if he or she or them cares about American politics particularly but they've wrapped themselves in it there's you know a recent trip um that Trump took where he walks into a fast food establishment and the staff says can we pray with you and pray for you as if he cares about that happening that that is a dangerous mix that we see in uh, violent Islamic jihad. Are we headed toward a kind of jihad in a culture war 
where only one side can be righteous and the other side is the infidel, that's where I see this going. All right. The jihad is coming from the left, obviously, okay? You know, he mentioned the word pervert. It's amazing, right, how insulted he was and flabbergasted by somebody praying in front of him, right? And he, he likens that to jihad, right? Uh, insane. But he used the word perversion. All right, he's talking about pastors. He might as well be talking about me, all right? The Democrat Party is the party that says uh, adults should be talking about sexuality with children, children who are not theirs, okay? Teachers, even assistant uh, substitute teachers can have a talk with a five-year-old about sexuality and not tell the parents. That's a problem. That's a huge problem. That is the perversion. And how about changing gender before the age of 10, let alone 18? That is a perversion. And doing it, oh, by the way, without the consent of the parents even, that's where this is going. That's a perversion. I showed a picture. I mean, hey, drag queens, you guys are great. Okay, uh, RuPaul. I actually love RuPaul. Uh, RuPaul Drag Race, right? Um, it, it, he's got a great dance album. She, whatever. It's, it's. It, I have no problem whatsoever. It's, it's this. Viva la différence, right? I mean, but leave the kids the hell out of it. You make these decisions once you're 18. Got it? That's the problem, you freak, you swamp freak. Unbelievable, huh? I have contempt for him, obviously, all right? Pray for his soul, but I got contempt. You know what I say, right? I don't have to like everybody, but I love everybody. And even that guy, even he's here for a reason. Maybe he's here for who the hell knows why he's here. But there's some reason, and uh, I don't have to uh, like everybody, and I really don't. <laughs> but I I love everybody. I even love Joe Biden. I even love Joe Biden. I do. I don't like him. He's one corrupt, lost soul. Absolutely. Um but we can we can care for that soul. And even Joe, even Joe, they could rescue Joe from this hell he's living in. I mean, you heard about the latest stuff with the sun. Um, this is one of the reasons why you don't run for president, though, by the way. OK, when you have a family this screwed up, uh, by the way. So Hunter was not only hooking up with Haley, his Bo's wife. He was also hooking up with Haley's sister. Haley's sister. This is not from 1992. This is from 2019 when Joe Biden is trying to get people to vote. He's got a family crisis. You don't run for president with this. You can't. You can't focus on the country when you got all this crap going on. And where is Hunter O, by the way? Where is, where is he? He's selling artwork. He's selling access to the old man. It is a scam, and it's right there in plain sight. And They're getting away with it. Um, they won't ultimately get away with it. Justice will prevail. All right, there's the music. Give me a moment, please. Thank you. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. There's been a lot of talk about the talk, the conversation that parents have to have with their young black children or brown children about how to behave when the police stop you. Every black family knows what the talk is. Is. I know that all parents talk to their kids about how to stay safe, but for black people, it's specifically about staying safe from the police. We have to have the talk, Lindsay, that my parents This is a bunch of crap, by the way. I've had with my black sons and so on. We give our children the talk right. for a reason. Uh, okay. Uh, I've been hearing a lot about the talk. 
Uh, well, uh, I think they got to give the talk all over again. This is a this is a myth. Oh, by the way, everybody is you're you're you are up until a couple of years ago when we were encouraged by the media, by all those silly idiots you just heard, to defy the police, to not stay in the car, to get out of the car. What are you pulling me over for? I'm not listening to you. That's the talk that they hear every single day from the mainstream media. Uh, yeah, we, uh, we people who are not of color, right? I guess I'm white, right? That people tell me I'm white. Okay. What, am, what, what, did I ever get the talk? No, I just get pulled over and I just do whatever the hell I want. I just get out of the car, yell at the cops, scream. Do you know who I am? Yeah, right. That's the way it works. Sure. Wow. That phony baloney junk. Hey, you want to, <laughs> Everybody's talking about the talk. This is the way you're supposed to respond now if you are pulled over, especially if you're a person of color. Anybody remember this story? This is, I call him Bad Lieutenant Nazario. He's an Army lieutenant. How the hell he became a lieutenant in the Army is a scandal, oh, by the way. He gets pulled over because he's driving like a freak in rural Virginia. Although uh, he's too special to pull over when the cops hit the lights. He drives for three miles. He drives for three miles. He keeps going for three miles. I can't, I I would never dream of just driving when the cops are behind me. I would never, ever, you pull the hell over. He was looking for a well-lit area. Shut up. He put his life in danger and the cops in danger. And this is what he did. Did he get the talk? I don't think so. Cut 41, please. Cut 41. Bad Lieutenant Nazario in uniform defying police. Cut 41. What's going on? How many occupants are in your vehicle? It's only myself. Why are your weapons drawn? What's going on? Open the door slowly and step out. Open the door. I'm not getting out the vehicle. What's going on? Get out the car. Yeah. You see, that's the way it works now. The people call the shots. The people, right? Cops have no authority. They've been delegitimized, totally delegitimized. The talk, the talk. Um, hmm. It's a myth. The talk. It's just something that people say to enhance their own status. Bill de Blasio, possibly the most famous example of this. Remember de Blasio? In the heat of a riot, the city is burning up over Eric Garner and the decision to not prosecute him, which was a legitimate uh, and righteous decision, oh, by the way. And he says, I, too, have had to have the talk with Dante and to warn him that he is uh, in danger in the presence of police. It was the most outrageous thing probably ever uttered by a mayor of this city. And we've had some real kooks as well, have we? It was, I can't think of anything dirtier than a mayor of New York. Is it right? Tell me, is there anything worse? Norman in Brooklyn, hello. Oh, Greg. Hi, Greg. Hey, uh, you. (laughs) That's me. How are you, Greg? Good, good. Norman is the personal trainer who became a... uh, an activist for all these causes that we agree with. And uh, anyway, Norman, what's up? 
Uh, I just want to tomorrow, Greg, uh, you should send a Newsmax crew out to uh, 112 East 96th Street. That's the uh, New York Public Library on 96th Street because uh, there's going to be a, a drag queen story hour and uh, we're going to stage a protest. So if you send a crew out, my, my um, watch the fur fly. Um, hey, do me a favor. You'll just take video with your phone, right? You know what? I oh god! You know, Greg, uh, I got a flip phone, so I I, can, I I probably can. But the thing is, I don't think well, I get can one send of, it to you. Get one of your buddies to do it, and uh, okay. and uh, I don't know if I can get a news crew there. These drag time story hours, whatever the hell they are, talk about perverted. Talk about uh, just what are they thinking, huh? Why would why would we? Why, what is the what is the educational value? You've been fighting this fight for a while. What do they say? Like, why? What is their justification? They have to have some rationale. Why are they doing this? What is their stated reason? Go ahead. Well, their stated re- their, the stated reason, of course, is uh, to advance the understanding of the, I guess, of people of these drag queens uh, or whatever of the transgender lifestyle. Which I don't have any problem with the transgender lifestyle. Uh, it's uh, you know this kind of sniggering uh, humor that the the drag queen or stripper or uh, anybody in the adult entertainment business, uh, it's it's that stuff that I'm trying to protect the kids from. I'm not trying to, you know, we're not trying to protect them from being in the presence of transgender people. Uh, That's not what Drag Queen Story Hour is about. Uh, uh, I don't know what their I don't know I don't know what their psychology is, Greg. Well, remember, know, right? remember this: uh, Eric Adams, who was supposed to be a, a new and different type of Democrat, one of the first things he did was ratify and sanctify and say, "We must have drag time story hour for the kids." That was Eric's one of Eric's first moves uh, to uh, say that this is going to go forward. And I think he said some some nonsense about uh, it will provide emotional intelligence for the children. For the children. Hey, Norman, thank you very much. Good to know about this thing. I'll see what's going on. Uh, Jim in Center Reach. Yeah. Hey, Greg, Jim Burke, uh, the Biden guy, teacher guy. We spoke a couple of times. Um, I got an unconfirmed, unconfirmed story that I got to run by you. Uh, your handler, handler, your screener said he had heard it also. I got it from three different angles. I'm a teacher. I okay, what is it? What is it? Long Island. The five Memphis guys, that story. The story on the streets is that one of the five cops got a girl pregnant. I don't know how long. I don't know the story. A couple of years ago, I don't know. And um, they broke up. And guess who winds up going out with this girl? Oh, um, I can't say his name. The guy who was murdered. Tyree Nichols. Tyree Nichols was with one of the. This is on the streets now. All right. So what? I mean, I'm hearing all kinds of things. You're making it sound like you got the the, the big scoop of the century. Yes, everybody's heard this rumor. uh, And who knows? Maybe there's something to it. There's going to be an investigation. Um, uh, It would kind of make sense because there was that personal rage. But how do you get all your buddies as upset as you are if some guy is messing around with your ex-girlfriend? And wait a second. You did say ex-girlfriend, right? Uh, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Who would get that worked up and jealous about their ex, their ex, right? Don't you move on? Well, here's what here's what a brother told me. He said the way you get the other four guy is four guys in is you lie to him about 
everything, the mistress, the ex-mistress, and, and how this guy moved in on his girl. All that. So you lie to him, and you get them on your side. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely just... Yeah, no, I get know, it. It's, our, it's out there. It's a rumor, and, uh, and uh, well, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, it might explain some things. Uh, it certainly doesn't explain or excuse what they did to the guy. I don't care what that guy was doing. I, it, <laughs> there's absolutely, oh, my gosh. All right, Jim, thanks for that. And uh, let's try Frank in Ronkonkoma. Hi, Frank. How you doing, Greg? I want, first of all, I want to thank you. You're right on the money with everything that you say. And right now I'm reading uh, Bill O'Reilly's book, uh, you know, The Killing the Legends, but I'm, I'll be getting yours. I just got a question for you. Yeah. Back in the 60s, I worked in the Connell Camp Company, and I believe I worked with your uncle, John Kelly, and uh, I was just wondering if he's still around because I'm 86, so he's got to be in his age. I'm sorry. John Did you say uh, John Kelly? Did you say John Kelly? Yes. I really don't have an Uncle John. Oh, you don't? No. He, I thought he was your. Uh, I thought he was your father's brother because uh, no. I remember him talking about your father. You know? mm, yeah. No. No. Uh, no. I met a lot of people no, who don't. are. No. No. I don't have an Uncle John. My my dad's brothers are, uh, well, Leonard, Kenneth. And Donald, and he had a sister named Mary, so no John in the mix. Where did you work? I thought he was. I, I listen. Wait, uh, wait, I wait, wanted, wait, wait, wait. Where'd you say you worked? I worked in the Continental Can Company in Massey. What? What did they can? What was? What? What? What kind of? What was? They the, made. They made beer cans, soda cans, you know, Pepsi cans. They made cans, and then we both worked there. And uh, he went on a fire department. And I went on the sanitation department, but that was back in the sixties, you know. So I was just wondering because I'm eighty. Yeah, no, I, I, I get you. No, thanks. I, I, yeah, I didn't have an uncle John. My, my father may have had an uncle John. There's that possibility. The other thing is this. Um, uh, gosh, we were making aluminum cans in Queens in the sixties. We have like zero manufacturing here. Manufacturing in New York. How about that? And a uh, uh, good long career in sanitation. Hey, uh, Frank, uh, I'll ask my dad about that. I'm actually, uh, he might be calling. No, all right. Hey, uh, I'll be right back. Thanks very much. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. All right. Hey, for more on this Memphis situation, we are joined by the legendary top cop, Ray Kelly, longest serving police commissioner in the history of uh, the world. And uh, longtime police official at the local, state, federal level, uh, graduate of many, many schools, including Harvard, by the way. Ray Kelly, my father, welcome. How are you? <laughs> okay. Thank you for the introduction. Wow. It's all true. It's all true. Hey, so listen, uh, what is your, what's your latest take on what we saw in Memphis? And uh, I don't know. I don't know what to, you know, how did this happen? What's going through your mind right now about Memphis? First, of course, anybody who saw that has to be shocked. It was horrendous. It was so vicious. And it was senseless. It was, you know, why? what is the purpose of doing that? Now, there's some speculation out there that this unit, this Scorpion unit, was given sort of implicit authority to, to be heavy-handed, uh, to get information. Now, I saw something where... There are 13,000 gang members in Memphis, 
with 102 gangs. Now, they may be, and again, this is speculation, they may be uh, in, in, the, in the mode of getting information that they can from any young African-American male who's uh, driving a car. Now, we don't know what the predicate reason was, and there may be, in fact, no reason for that. But he may have just taken off because he was totally in, in fear of, uh, you know, and maybe these guys have that rep- reputation of being very heavy-handed, and he took off. But um, that is possible. Now, what what struck me is obviously no supervision. You know, the police chief said that she didn't have enough sergeants. Well, sort of the basic rule of policing is if you're going to put people out in plain clothes in these enforcement units, you must have them with a supervisor. And if you don't have a supervisor available, you either put them in uniform or you don't you don't deploy them. But she used that sort of as an excuse not to have any supervisors with them. The other thing that uh, kind of got my attention is the fact that they were not on a radio frequency. They were not. If they were talking, they were talking to themselves on a point-to-point radio uh, setup. They wasn't put on the, say, the citywide or Memphis frequency. Can I ask you something? How do you – and it's funny because, you know, I watch the tape. You know, I just watch – you know, I I see what I can see. How did you pick up on that, the whole thing with the frequency? How, how, How did you notice that? Well, because if you're going to have a legitimate chase, you're going to put that on the radio so other people can hear it, other police officers can hear it. Uh, you know, he's running south on Main Street, that that sort of thing. Um, I don't think that happened. I think they might, it, in terms of radio communication, they were talking to each other, uh, I believe. But, you know, it, it was garbled and it was very muted. There wasn't much communication uh, at all. And, you know, you get down to some of the, the causes of, of actions like this, and you have to look at the recruitment. You have to look at standards. You have to look at who's being hired. Actually, across law enforcement these days, you have thousands of police officers leaving policing. So you have people who are, you know, you see that happening, and and very good candidates have to be dissuaded from going into policing, at least now. So the question is, who are they? Who are they hiring? Who are they bringing on board? Now, Memphis had to pay uh, $15,000 bonuses to uh, hire recruits. So they had problems. I know, I'm aware of their problems going back into, uh, you know, into uh, 2017, 2018. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, it's a complex issue. Uh, the police chief says in the statement that she instituted this organization, this unit, Scorpion, because of traffic that she heard in her neighborhood where where she lives, which. Uh... Uh oh, is he still there? I can't hear him. Just tell me, did you lose him? I can't can hear you now. Oh, all right, good. Yeah, we got you. All right, so the the chief came up with this Scorpions idea, huh? That's what's reported in the New York Times. Yeah. So. All right. Number one, do we know enough right now? Would you fire the chief? If you were the mayor, and a lot of people wish you were the mayor, um, do you have enough information now, if you were the mayor, would you fire this person, this police chief? Oh, we don't. We, I don't have enough information. I don't know what information they have. I don't know about her past record. I don't know what the past 
activities of this unit is. It's been in place since uh, 2021. So what have they done? Are there complaints about it? Uh, what is their arrest record? What are they arresting people for? Uh, you know, what, what, what have you gotten in terms of uh, recognition, commendations? Uh, you know, that information obviously is not public uh, as yet. At least I, I haven't seen it. So I, I think it would be premature to do it. Well, this is uh, this is one of the reasons why uh, <laughs> I mean this in the best possible way. You're not a politician. Politicians, these cheap career politicians, they'd fire anybody at the drop of a hat. You know what I mean? If there was just a small chance that they'd look good or whatever, they'd get rid. Forget about the record. Forget about the facts. By the way, we're talking not about the cops. We're talking about the police chief and her um, responsibility or lack thereof because we don't know yet. And I think you're uh, you're right. Hey, do you think – is there going to be pressure on other police departments? I see Ben Crump all over the place complaining about these specialized units that are, you know, perhaps target gang violence, that they need to be disbanded throughout the country and that they are unfair and they don't, uh, you know, they're only deployed against communities of color. Um, do you think there's a chance that these units will have to be disbanded? That's going to be like the in thing to do, the fashionable thing to do. And, uh, Scorpion may have been out of control, but there are plenty of units throughout the country that I think do a pretty good job, right? Yes. And, uh, you know, let's face it, since the death of George Floyd, police have backed off, understandably, from taking certain actions. So in a way to perhaps make up for some of this uh, withdrawal, uh, police departments have created specialized units that are focused on enforcement and are sort of given either implicit or explicit authorization to do not, obviously not this, but something more aggressive. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think you'll, you'll see that, or they'll uh, change the name of the unit and put a coat of paint on it and call it something else. But uh, it, it remains to be seen. But I believe uh, in the near term, you'll see what you're, 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 uh, talking about, or you're sort of predicting. I, I think you're right on target. So, uh, by the way, you just said something interesting. Uh, they'll change the name, put a coat of paint on it, call it something different, and uh, and that'll be that. What you just described, that's kind of like the quick fix and sometimes the only fix for government, right? They, they just kind of uh, – they, they do superficial things sometimes. They don't try to get to the root of the problem. That's what you seem to just describe, right? Sure. And also you'll – Oh, man. These damn cell phones. I think life was... New, oh, there new, you are. New administrations doing, uh, not doing what their predecessor administrations did. Because they, just by definition, maybe that's how they got elected or whatever, they're going to do something different than the previous administration. So uh, that, that is, uh, you know, that's just a phenomenon that that happens. You know, you know de Blasio was not going to take... Uh, the programs that Bloomberg had in place, for instance, and continue with them. Or if he is, he's going to change the uh, the title or change the role somewhat, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. I mean, that, that's politics. That's, yeah, that's co- politics, cosmetics, and it's uh, it's all very ineffective. Well, Ray Kelly, legendary police commander, a legend in his own, uh, in his city and in his home. <laughs> it's true. <His> <laughs> I don't mind. Lots of people's minds. 
Ray Kelly, I appreciate it. Hey, I'm sorry to all the callers. Uh, we'll, we'll continue tomorrow, and I'll see you tonight on Newsmax. Thank you.